Mattress Warehouse believes you shouldn't have to wait to get a good night's sleep, which is why Mattress Warehouse has free next-day delivery available. Minimum purchase applies. See store for details. Visit sleephappens.com for a location near you. Mattress Warehouse. Sleephappens.com. Handle on the news. Handle on the news. The mean lady is saying, give me my wig, give me my wig. And then Bill Handel tasers the nice lady. I see flashes of light. And then that's when the fight kind of ended. Here's Bill Handel. And uh, good morning, uh, December 24. Uh, tomorrow being uh, the big day, Festivus. And I am uh, getting very excited about the, lum- the aluminum pole uh, that is sitting at home. And, uh, you know, it's not that easy to find just a singular aluminum pole. Uh, you, you have it's to. Not. Well, no, because it's usually attached to something else. You don't uh, want to buy the whole tent from REI just to well get said. one aluminum pole. That's, I get that it. is my point. It's always connected to something else. Okay, a quick hello uh, to the crowd. Uh, Wayne, good morning. Good morning, sir. And uh, Mike Crozier in for JJL today. Good uh, Michael right, Crozier. I yeah. did. Uh, I did notice, by the way, that Jerry Seinfeld tweeted yesterday. He says, "For for once, just this year, with the year we've had, can we skip the airing of grievances?" Uh, yeah, because it would take too long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be like uh, you know a very long mass. Uh, okay, uh, Mike, I want to point something out. First of all, it's kind of nice to have you here. Mike has been up all night because he works overnights and he didn't get to sleep. Uh, Mike, uh, the. Um, uh, you know, you thanking Alex and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Michelle Q. Gratitude. And, yeah, everybody. Yeah, you know, no. It was written so, in there. I didn't put it in there. So. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Uh, I don't know. It was in a template. It's a so. very, very old template. Jen yeah, like no kidding. Ago. We won't be thanking people again. Oh, and here's uh, and the janitor's name. And let's not forget uh, the. Okay, no, we don't do that anymore. Oh. All right. Uh, Alex, good morning. Good morning. Don't feel bad. He just doesn't remember people's names. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't. Oh, I'm uh, the same way. That's why I had to write it down. Oh, wait. yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I want to say hello. My name is Tags. <laughs> you know, I've gone to many a party where I've uh, said, uh, you know, I've written on those tags. Hello, my name is Hello. No, uh, and that really screws people up. All right, uh, and Eric uh, is in for Ramirez today, so we really truly have the Z team, don't we? <laughs> good morning, Bill. Uh, good morning. As uh, today, we're going to do. Uh, uh, today is not going to be horrible news. Although at nine o'clock, I'm going to go through some of what happened in 2020. Some thoughts I thought I'd share with you, uh, and as I mentioned, these major, major. Uh, incidents that happened over the year, uh, over this past year. There are so many of them, literally you're going to go, oh yeah, that one, Uh, which any other year would have been the banner headline of what happened this past year. That's what 2020 uh, has been. Uh, It has been uh, completely insane. Uh, It... uh, I think uh, uh, Times Person of the Year, it could have been the year, 2020, easily. Do you think it's been uh, too much emphasis on people saying, oh, no, 21's going to be all good, too high expectations coming? No, I think it, well, no, because uh, if only, uh, you know, a quarter of a million people die of COVID next year, uh, that'll be good news. That's how bad this year was. Uh, So, I yeah, 
It's not even a question of uh, expectations. It's uh, one. Uh, it's a question of desperate hopefulness. <laughs> I think more than anything else. Uh, it's a tough one. So today we're going to have, uh, we're going to end, well, the year for me, because I'm done today, uh, and I'm not back until Monday, uh, the 4th of January. And then we start the year monumentally important because uh, Tuesday, the next day, uh, is the election uh, in Georgia to find out if the Senate flips to the Democratic side. And then the day after that is... Um, the uh, count uh, in Congress, uh, well, not the count. Well, actually, it is the count uh, where the vice president actually announces the electoral votes. And you're going to see fireworks there, too, because we already know how many or we know uh, at least the number of Congress people. And I think at least one senator is going to object to the count. And uh, on what basis? I just object. They'll argue fraud, and they'll keep on arguing with no evidence. Uh, and then what will happen is uh, both houses then separate, go to their own chambers, and then vote, and then come back. And uh, I don't even know how long the delay is going to be, how long the period is before the objection is made <laughs> to the uh, senators and congresspeople moving into their respective houses, doing the vote. And the vote may literally be a voice vote, too. So they can object to any other of the other states uh, raising theirs as no, well? No, or just no, their no, own? No, no. The objection is to the actual uh, count, announcement of the count. Of each and it's state. the electoral count, each state, right. and they object. Now, I don't know if it's per state. That's actually a very good question. Well, that's what I heard is that they go yeah, state by state alphabetically. State. So when someone, so when uh, Alabama. Uh, the vice president says, and Georgia, uh, whatever number of votes, I object. And it, and it can be any of the other uh, congressmen. It, it doesn't state. have to be. Yeah, yeah you don't have state. to be in the your own states state. will be objected to. You don't, be, you don't break the, the proceedings. Uh, uh, will be the, uh, the states in question. What? You don't break the proceedings unless you get a written objection from both the Senate yeah, and the you, House. You right, need one you need on a, each side. You need one senator, one House member. But believe me, it's going to happen. And uh, now will the vote? Actually, it's going to be very interesting. Now will the vote be? Uh, will the vote be a voice vote? Uh, because it's going to be so overwhelmingly, uh, obviously, upholding uh, the actual vote. Anyway, so that's uh, coming up there. So we'll probably get it on Arizona, I would imagine, one of the swing states. That uh, it'll be the swing Biden, states. Right? So it'll, it'll be the swing states. So look for Arizona probably be the first one to get the objection. Uh, yeah, uh, and that that will do it. I only think you need one to get the objection. No, I think you may have to go through all five uh, states because the objection will be... I thought they had to uh, break, and there was like a two-hour. Two there's you know a two-hour private. You know what? Here's what we have to do: uh, chamber Alex, talking Alex, thing. We have to do the research on that. Uh, so on, no, we on, don't. On Monday, no, no. it's going to be so interesting. No, no, we don't. This is how it works. They go state by state. If you get a written objection from one from each side, then you get five minutes to speak in favor or against the objection. Then there's a two-hour period for this process, and then they have to vote in each house, in each uh, chamber, and both chambers have to vote to uphold the objection. Now, is it now is it uh, each individual objection? Then they have two hours per state, or is it they an accumulation? Right yeah. uh, 
That's my understanding. You get right, if well, you get we'll objections on both sides, everything halts. They go off. So you have Arizona, then that's done. Then you go to Georgia, that's done. Pennsylvania, that's done. Michigan, that you know, it could be delayed. So they got to uh, resolve each one before they go to the I next. I don't know. State. Yes, that's, like, that's my understanding know. of how it has to All work. Right. All right. Anyway, let's uh, move on to uh, news uh, because we have plenty of it. That yeah. was just. A preview of what's going to happen uh, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's going to be uh, kind of interesting, to say the least. All right. Let's start with Handle on the News. Uh, uh, Mike Crozier in for JJL. Wayne Resnick in for Wayne Resnick. And me. Lead story. California becoming the first state to surpass 2 million uh, coronavirus uh, cases. Uh, miserable, horrible news. And... Uh, uh, it's uh, when it comes to the pandemic, uh, of course, it's horrible across the country. And that is exacerbated by what's going on in California, exacerbated by what's going on in L.A. County. Uh, we are at the worst point out of ICU beds, uh, which is not the end of the world, because they can certainly come up with more ICU beds, expanding hospital wards, going into tents uh, into gymnasiums. Uh, as we all know, it's the staff. So they said it's two million now at this point, and it took only forty-four days to get this second million. Yeah, no, it's not doing well at all. Uh, hospitals in the Southland, yeah, they're dealing with it. They're implementing COVID nineteen surge plans, even if some of the options on that plan are no longer available. Don't let us get sick. Don't let us get old. Now we had talked to Jim Keeney, and he talked about sick. that they're in the planning Don't stages. And are they implementing those uh, already? He, had, he was talking about how there already is a shortage and the burnout rate uh, among those uh, first, uh, the providers, the health providers uh, who deal with COVID, well, even who deal with uh, anybody in the hospital uh, is, uh, it's, well, we're going to look back on this uh, year, and that is probably going to be the lead story. I, I, I can't imagine it wouldn't. Clarify me on that. When when you get that first vaccine shot, you got to wait two, four, four weeks or whatever to get the second. Are yes. you supposed to be quarantining for those four weeks? No, no, absolutely not. So it doesn't matter if you're out and about. So those no, health care no, workers can be out not. there working right yeah, now. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, and it still gives you some protection. It's about 50% protection. It's 50-50. That much. Uh, yeah, and then the second one, of course, uh, gives you it goes up to ninety five percent protection or ninety five percent effective. And I think even if you get COVID, it reduces the symptoms uh, dramatically after the second shot, and would reduce hospitalizations uh, by a, a large factor. Assuming you would go into the hospital after getting uh, COVID, so it's it's a win across the board. Let's take a break, uh, and uh, we'll come back. Good morning, everybody, uh, on the 24th, and uh, it is uh, the eve of uh, that day. Uh, let's return and do more Handle on the news. Uh, Michael Crozier in for JJL. And, Michael, I know, uh, I, I don't know why I keep on calling you Mike, and I apologize. And that's Old school, because, man. Yeah, that's because every single Michael in my life I call Mike. You're the only one. And so, I am the exception. You are the exception. Oh. And uh, Wayne. Merry Christmas and, to me. And uh, me. All right. Let's go to the vaccine tote board and see how we're doing towards our goal. CDC had a goal of getting 20 million Americans vaccinated by the end of the year. Tote board says 
we're at just a hair over a million. So uh, we're a little bit short of that goal. We have to. Yeah. Well, we only have to vaccinate 2.1 million people every day between now and the end of the year to reach that goal. So easy peasy. I know. Well, towards the end of the year, uh, it'll be it will rack up some numbers because this is going to be cumulative in terms of the ability of the vaccinations. But no. We're not going to be very close to uh, 20 million people. They didn't really seem to have much of an explanation as to why they're so far behind, though. Uh, maybe the goal was not realistic in the first place. Yeah, it was. Maybe that's because- the, maybe it's not a failure of anything except the initial goal setting. Well, yeah, I think that's true. Uh, the uh, manufacturer, the vaccination is keeping up to par because now I think there's five or six million uh, doses that are in the system. It's the distribution. It's going from, and this is exactly what Joe Biden said, the issue is uh, not the manu. This is exactly what Pfizer said, too. The manufacturing is keeping uh, keeping up. The distribution and then being shot in the arm, that's where uh, we're, I'm not going to say failure. Uh, it hasn't uh, gelled yet. And I think we'll get there. Uh, it's because we've never had this logistical issue. I mean, vaccinating everybody in the country. Uh, it's it's tough. Could uh, President Trump actually get us two thousand dollar checks? I don't know. He uh, vetoed. He did veto the defense bill, but uh, can he veto the six hundred dollar bill? Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. Uh, he can uh, veto the stimulus bill one hundred percent. And uh, I'll talk more about that because uh, this uh, is. Just fascinating. He has stopped going after Democrats. It's now the Republicans. Uh, and it, then when that, this just came across, now. just came Pardon? across, the uh, GOP has blocked the Democrats' move for uh, the two thousand dollars payments that Trump. Okay, there won't be, and there won't be a uh, there. You will not see a stimulus package. It won't happen then this year. And the president said the next administration will have to deal with it. Didn't say uh, Biden's administration, said the next administration. Still arguing that the vote uh, is um, uh, illegal. Uh, This gets interesting because his enemies are now the Republicans because they're not showing the loyalty. The Democrats never showed the loyalty. So there's never been an issue with that. That was easy. So if he Uh, vetoes this and the the democrats are expected to not override the veto at that point no they can't uh, it depends on what the republicans are going to do it's democrats. Gonna, democrats will of course vote to override his veto what's going to have to happen is republicans who voted for these bills will have to come back and not vote to override his veto They'd have to say, I liked those bills, but now I don't because the president vetoed yeah. it. It's uh, it's fascinating because the Republican leadership is totally silent on this. They do not know what to do. Well, they're hoping he doesn't veto the the uh, the spending and the relief bill. They still they're going to have to deal with his veto of the defense bill anyway. That will be overridden. I think that one will be overridden. Uh, but it's not your the stimulus bill is fascinating. Boy, did he throw a wrench into the works on this one. Last minute, uh, he became a populist. He said, that's not enough. I want more money. Didn't say that a week ago or two weeks ago. And this is uh, he 
not only did he throw a monkey wrench into it, he threw the entire toolbox into this thing. Was he able to veto, Is or is he able to veto just the COVID relief, or does he have to veto the whole federal uh, Pocket veto. Budget? You know what? Budget. If he does a pocket veto, I don't think that they can override that. Which is like a line item, I guess? Uh, no. Uh, it's, sort of? No, he just doesn't sign it. No. Pocket veto. He doesn't veto it. Just it. There. He just, it sits there. Yeah. And then doesn't become law. All right. It's fascinating. By God. Uh, he's going out with a bang. <laughs> he really is. We knew this was coming, too. Uh, it's, it, uh, by the way, just it, if he doesn't sign it, this it's so they make everything so complicated. Yeah. Uh, if he hasn't signed it within 10 days, it becomes law hmm. unless Congress adjourns during that 10-day period, in which case it doesn't become 10 law. business days or just 10 full days? I think 10 calendar Oh, now days. you got to find a different section of, of the Constitution <laughs> yeah. to know whether they mean business days or calendar days. Yeah. This this sort of thing has just never happened uh, close to these circumstances. But then again, we've never had a president uh, that's ever been quite like uh, President Trump. It's uh, Boy, I tell you, it, there's going. you know how many history books are going to be written about this administration? Not the thousands are, aren't already written about each administration— <laughs> This one, there'll be a library. There'll be th- there'll be a Smith's. Uh, it'll be a library of Congress full of books. Well, have we ever seen a, a, an administration that's had so many books come out during the administration as we I have don't with know. this one? I would doubt. I would doubt it. Uh, let's do uh, one more. All right, uh, Trump. Pardons, 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 pardons. <laughs> Your first name is free. Another first round of pardons yesterday. Over two dozen of them, including some big names like Roger Stone. And Paul Manafort. Yeah, it would, and then uh, a lot of other cases that oh, you've yeah, never heard cases. of. I'm going to talk more about that. And also, you know, the history of pardons. Uh, uh, for those people that are screaming and yelling, uh, this is not that crazy, these pardons. There have been really crazy pardons. And I'm talking about in recent history. We're talking about uh, Bill Clinton uh, did some pardons that you look back and you shake your head. Come on, really? Uh, so... Uh, and uh, one of the things that are happening now is as uh, Donald Trump is moving down the aisle, you know, instead of pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, it's pardon you, pardon you, pardon you. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be back. Have a holly, jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. And uh, welcome back. Bill Handel here I don't know on a uh, Thursday snow, morning, December 24. And uh, back we go. Uh, more handle on the news. Uh, Michael Crozier in for JJL, Wayne Resnick, and me. Speaking of pardons, a pardon for Tiger King Joe Exotic is sitting on President Trump's desk. Because I saw Tiger. He sued. The uh, gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, he sued the Justice Department, arguing that his application for a pardon has to go to the president because it is a presidential pardon. And that was kind of a a flaky lawsuit. But uh, uh, the uh, pardon attorney put it on his desk. Now the question is, just for jokes, right, kicks and giggles, does the president pardon him? Yes. What has Joe Exotic done for the president? He's been a big uh, supporter of him. He's been pretty uh, he was, vocal I think about he was it. a huge supporter yeah. of him. You're right, Michael. I think he was a major supporter of the president. And that's usually all you need with Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It'd be hilarious. Yeah, oh, with, please. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's going out with a bang. I'm telling you. Uh, there's I. Right now, <laughs> if I were uh, one of the president's advisors, I'd go through the list and uh, just to just to screw with everybody, uh, and uh, just have a rip roaring good time. Well, uh, yeah. How about going out with a pop? Because amongst the pardons that President Trump granted yesterday, he pardoned the husband and wife involved in the great balloon boy hoax of 2009, where uh, a couple said their six-year-old son had somehow accidentally been carried up into the air by a homemade helium balloon. We all watched it live as that balloon sailed around. When it finally came down, there was no kid on board. The kid had been hiding in the attic because his parents told him to because they wanted to get attention for a reality show. And they were convicted of, uh, well, the, the, the wife was convicted of, I think, just filing a false report and did community service. The husband got convicted of several things. Um, and now they are part owned. Yeah, he got 30 days. Uh, yep. And that's it. And I remember that so vividly because for hours we were covering that and watching it and helicopters and aircraft were in the air. Uh, following the balloon, and anybody who knew anything said it's impossible. You cannot have a sixty-pound kid uh, in that uh, v- that balloon. It would never get off the ground. But it didn't matter. I remember all all of us in the newsroom watching it like it was OJ's Bronco going down the freeway. Yeah, we it was just uh, crazy. Uh, a dubious anniversary is coming up, and some officials say they're worried about Iran. I'm an American soul. Was it back on uh, January 3rd was when we uh, hit a drone strike on the Revolutionary Guards Commander uh, Soleimani in Baghdad. So that anniversary is coming up, and we know how terrorists love their anniversaries. Yep, and um, top U.S. uh, general in the region, uh, top U.S. uh, general in the Middle East is saying uh, we can expect attack. We won't expect a conflict. There's not going to be anything beyond that, but uh, we have to prepare for some kind of terrorist attack. Looks like uh, the UK and the EU might finally have a Brexit trade deal. Hey now. Which we care about here because if they don't get one, it's massive disruption over there and it's a global economy now. So it's going to be big blowback for us as well. But they've been negotiating and negotiating and they're getting very, very close. Here's the main issue that still is causing trouble fishing and how many eu fishing boats will be allowed in british waters that's the thing they still can't completely resolve now look at the complexity of a brexit uh exit and it has to do with uh great britain leaving the european union there are 27 members of the european union which means there are no tariffs it's basically one uh it's one trading block uh, and they use the same currency, except for England, still kept the pound. Uh, and uh, it's so you, you have no tariffs, right? Your goods are here. Our goods are there. Now, when you no longer have a trading block like that, every individual product has to be negotiated in terms of tariff. And we have, and last I looked, there were... 26,000 products just from China that we've negotiated tariffs. 
You know, for example, a ring, right? A ring. Uh, a finished piece of jewelry is one uh, tariff. Uh, a raw stone is another tariff. Uh, depending on the kind of metal, it's another tariff. Uh, steel is a tariff. Aluminum is another tariff. Uh, the kind of fish. Uh, shrimp is one. Uh, cod is another. Now, can you imagine that across the board? Ugh. That's what England and Europe are trying to negotiate right now. And they're already backed up at the border now. Oh at, yeah, at the channel because of the, this new strain of COVID. Yeah, I think they. Uh, but I think they opened up. Uh, France the, partly the did. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's. I got to tell you, it's getting into a uh, a block, a trading block, is easy. Hi, no tariffs. <laughs> We're all together. Congratulations. Uh, let's get married. Mazel tov. Getting divorced is a whole lot more complicated. You know what? It's the same way with people. Exit strategies are always far, far worse. The LAPD is investigating a gruesome discovery. That last night, LAPD says they responded to, to near 7th Street and New Hampshire Avenue right right near a large homeless encampment, and they discovered uh, the body of a fetus. Now, it could be gruesome, or it could be just someone covering up uh, a pregnancy, uh, depending on whether uh, the fetus, uh, depending on the age of the fetus and whether it was stillborn or not. 26 weeks? Uh, it could, yeah, it could have been a stillbirth. Uh, and if it's alive, uh, then I, I don't think it's murder at 26 weeks. I think they'd have a hard time proving murder because a child surviving at 26 weeks outside of a hospital is tough. But other crimes like, I don't know, disposal of uh, human remains? Yeah, no, that, like that, that those that. are crimes. Yeah. Uh, there's no question. But I think those are misdemeanors relative to murder. But uh, quite often you find uh, cases like this where the woman d- uh, is hiding her pregnancy uh, the baby is usually, or in many cases, stillborn, and then the autopsy has to be done. But it could range all the way from what you just said, disposal of human remains, all the way to murder. And uh, we don't know. But it is a gruesome story. It's a heartbreaker. It really is. All right. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll finish up. Handle on the news. We wrote our own destiny in parking lots and empty streets. Yeah, we got all right, here we are. Uh, you know, coffee, bathroom, you know, down the hall. Let's put a coffee machine right inside uh, the uh, direct studio. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say the bathroom, then just direct deposit. Oh, uh, it, when we built the Persian Palace, this is a true story. Uh, in my bathroom, my little toilet area, and I like very small bathrooms, it's an old story, uh, I have a, a whole book, uh, a bookcase, floor to ceiling, uh, actually inside. The original plans call for, and I'm not exaggerating, a microwave, a coffee maker, and a TV. And we only ended up with the bookcase, unfortunately. Let's move on. Do you think you're high living when you go to a hotel and there's a phone in the toilet? I know. It's, well, it's <laughs> Then a you get a world. bookcase. Yeah, well, of course, the telephone in there, naturally. I mean, that's a given. All right. Uh, let's move on. As we finish Handle on the News, uh, Michael Crozier in for uh, Jennifer, Wayne Resnick, and me. 
LAPD seeking more potential victims of a guy already charged with 14 counts of sexual assault. Sexual assault against a minor. Uh, this is a guy who used to live here in L.A., Antonio Carlos Diaz. He now lives outside of uh, Cleveland, and he has been charged with all of those crimes. And LAPD says, hey, anybody else knows anything more? Because, and it makes sense, if you get a guy who did that many already, it's sky-high likelihood they did more. Okay. The uh, families of a plane crash victim say they want the Boeing 737 MAX permanently grounded. About time to shut it down. The FAA lifted that 20-month uh, safety ban of the 737 MAX back on November 18th. They green-lighted the design changes that they made by Boeing. and But uh, some families of these victims of the planes that crashed say, nope, not good enough. Well, I, mean, I don't think they want it permanently grounded. They want to rescind the... Uh, uh, the approval, and then I guess start all over again. And the and it was a Senate uh, Commerce Committee that did find Boeing officials quote inappropriately coach FAA test pilots during uh, the recertification efforts. I don't know what that means. Uh, did they spend too much time trying to convince them that it was uh, okay? Did they train them to deal with the problem uh, in a way that was inappropriate? And uh, we don't know. But I think uh, the rescinding is not going to be uh, – I don't think the FAA is <coughs> – sorry about that. The FAA is going to rescind. I think that approval is uh, just keep on going. Uh, unless if there's another crash, uh, the 737 is gone as an airplane. I'll tell you that. So that's right really now. what we're everybody's, – everybody's just uh, moving forward based on the assumption they got it will right. never crash again. Yeah. Uh, like well, you say, at, the plane, to, at least due to design error. I, if you it, like, if you say if, if a Boeing seven three seven goes down again, crashes after this, I would argue that Boeing could go away. I don't know. Uh, well, first I of mean, all, after it would all be this, the seven, it would be the Max that would go away. The uh, the seven thirty sevens that are already in the skies, and there's more of those than any other airplane on the planet. I mean, there are tens of thousands of seven thirty sevens out there. Uh, but it's this new model, and I think, uh, you know, I don't know. It could be that uh, Boeing goes under, but, you know, there's insurance. I mean, there's plenty of insurance there. I mean, this to cover, uh, you know, the effectively people dying in in the event of a crash. At some point, you start looking at how much is this the cost effectiveness and how much was their intention in doing well, that? Well, uh, Boeing took uh, a shortcut in not redesigning the airplane, those engines are too big for that fuselage. And if you notice the uh, the size of those engines, it's not even, uh, the, if you look at the cowling, they're not even round. At the bottom, uh, it's cut off. I mean, the circle literally is cut off because it's too close to the ground. And the engine keeps on moving more and more forward on the wing. And uh, a lot of people are saying, you know what? Uh, you, you have to go from the beginning with this airplane. New fuselage, uh, new everything, and Boeing's accused of uh, taking the shortcut and saving about half the money. Harassed by the professor and Marianne. <laughs> well, here's a dispute between uh, some very rich people <laughs> down in Laguna, and uh, 
Here's the short story. Uh, one neighbor put up this big, expensive, uh, blown glass sculpture near their property line. That was fine with the next door neighbor. But then the first neighbor put up a bunch of netting to protect the sculpture from oh like tree God. trimming. That's when the other neighbor objected. It turned bitter. And now a court has found that uh, the first neighbor is guilty of harassing the second neighbor by playing the theme song from Gilligan's Island over and over on their outdoor speakers. Didn't they just try to argue that, I just love this song? Yes. That's what they tried to argue. Uh, however, uh, the court found that it actually was torture. Uh, they brought in doctors. Say, well, yes, not Geneva a- Convention level torture. No, uh, well, P- P- PTSD kicked in. Uh, because listening to Gilligan's Island song, uh, and at this point we should play it for the the rest of the show and see what happens. And the problem is both of these, uh, the neighbors are insanely wealthy. So, uh, money was no question in terms of the, they had, they had super top notch attorneys working on this case, like way better than the Trump campaign has in terms (laughs) of the quality of for sure. Uh, the first ever permit's been given out for a driverless delivery service. Yeah, it's a company you've never heard of either. Neuro. Yeah, robotics and- company. Is, is it going to be a neuro car? So the service is done by, is by somebody, or is it also neuro? It's remote operated. There's a person overseeing how these cars are driving, but they're not in the car. And it, and I don't think it's independent. Uh, the car doesn't drive itself; where it's just programmed uh, to go. There's, uh, it's it's a remote it's human like, operator, yeah, but th- like that person, it's like air traffic control. Well, it's it's more involved than air traffic control. But one remote operator can control multiple vehicles at a time and be anywhere. They could be in a completely different city. That just yeah, seems like, sounds cars. like it defeats the purpose. If oh. you're going to have one control, for like remotely. But yet they're in control of multiple cars. Yeah, yeah, it just saves saves on drivers, saves on space. Uh, yeah, it, okay, it's one of those. <laughs> all right, that's our next step to uh, the totally. Yeah. By the way, this is not for this is not for people to it's get in these delivery. cars. It's for delivery of packages only. Ah. Right. Uh, okay, let's end up uh, with this story because <laughs> KFC. Uh, boy, there's nothing more useful in life uh, than this product. So let me start with, before, uh, Wayne, you come in, some of the great inventions in uh, the history, the developments in the history of man. Fire, the wheel, the internet, and this one. (laughs) It's a KFC-branded gaming console with a chamber inside to keep your chicken warm. You know what I'm a chicken fried. Now, here's the thing, okay? Because I kind of, I was like, this is a joke or this is a... It appears to be a. Re- it's obviously just for promotional purposes, but this is a high-end computing device. It can run games at 4K at 240 frames per second, which is better than the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X. It can do VR games, and what it does is it shunts the heat produced by the components to the chicken chamber, which not only keeps the hardware cool, but the chicken warm and it because, uses yeah. intel nuc 9 uh new unit of computing element which is it's a small box 
compared to most PC cases, that's extremely powerful. It's just great. I mean, keep in mind, the science of this makes all the sense in the world uh, because uh, heat really, I think, is the absence of cold. So to get something cold, you simply remove uh, any part of the heat, which is why your freezer actually blows out warm air. It's warm if you uh, if you touch the compressor part because it's sucking out the heat to keep uh, the insides cold. That's the same concept here. Uh, they, you have to keep uh, electronic components cold. So you have uh, this device that sucks out the heat, and it happens instead of uh, uh, being disseminated or displaced into the air, it keeps your chicken box warm. It's like the old uh, McDonald's uh, McDLT. Keeps the cold side cold, keeps the hot side yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah. They say uh, it's uh, it, it's ready for consumption during intense gaming sessions. Well, there you are, chicken. And now, what it doesn't say is uh, as you're playing with uh, the pressing the buttons, etc., you have incredibly greasy fingers. Yeah. How do you deal with that? So they have to come up with a degreasing device at the same time. All right, we're done. <laughs> uh, coming up. Uh, now, uh, you're told not to travel uh, this holiday season, but you're going to. A lot of people are. So the TSA is saying, okay, if you're going to, here's what we suggest. That's coming up. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Driving home for Christmas. And uh, good morning, everybody. Bill Handel here on uh, December 24th, uh, Thursday. And uh, some of the top uh, stories that we are covering... Yeah, the pardons that uh, the president has granted, uh, now 29, and there are plenty more coming. But I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, not what the president is doing, but pardons that recent presidents uh, have uh, granted. And that's a fun story. Uh, And uh, then we have cool space news coming up. And at 9 o'clock, talk a little bit about uh, this year and a reflection uh, what a year has been. One of the uh, worst years uh, certainly I've experienced in my lifetime. Uh, But now, uh, I want to move over to you shouldn't but probably will be traveling. Uh, The health experts all the way from the CDC to uh, county health experts uh, have said, uh, don't travel because look at the numbers. And yesterday we had 3,500 people died in the United States uh, because of the pandemic with the virus and at the same time uh people are going to travel right now a million people a day are traveling and it's uh there's very little social distancing if at all at the airports a lot of touching uh people touching uh your stuff i mean it's uh, it's a day and then getting on the airplane and then you're crammed together as you get on the airplane and crammed together when you get off the airplane uh so Uh, What is uh, the TSA saying? Well, first of all, they say, don't travel. However, for those people that are going to ignore us and travel anyway, and uh, this is a lot of fatigue. Yesterday I was watching a news story uh, about a woman who said, I haven't seen my grandchildren in over a year, and uh, I don't care. I'll take whatever precautions I have to, but I'm willing to take the risk. A grandmother. Right, a woman in her seventies. Well, you talk about someone who's susceptible to the to uh, the virus. So uh, the TSA uh, has opened up additional airport security to make it easier uh, for people to go through as quickly as possible. But 
Still the same advice. Go, come early. The earlier, the better. And usually when they say come an hour and a half, two hours earlier, I tend to ignore that. Because in reality, you go through, I happen to be a pre-check person, and so yeah, a big deal. Well, uh, it's a big deal. Not only come early, but be prepared. Uh, wear a mask. Have your photo ID ready to go. Follow the liquid rules uh, scrupulously. Anything over three ounces, liquid, you got to toss. Uh, except uh, there is an exception uh, that they've just instituted. You're allowed to bring up to 12 ounces in a container of hand sanitizer. Uh Pre-check allows you to go through the airport security faster, and it really does. Not only do you go through it faster, but keep in mind uh, you don't have to open up your laptops or take them out of uh, your luggage. Uh, you don't have to, uh, out of your bags, you're taking aboard the airplane. You don't have to take off your shoes. Uh, you don't have to take off your belt. And so it just goes quicker. And uh, you can keep light outerwear on. It's just it, there's less hassle, less time, and it really happens. Uh, Now, keep in mind, the TSA, here is where uh, there's a delay. More cleaning and disinfecting uh, frequently touch checkpoint surfaces. Uh, You'll see the agents uh, wearing masks and gloves at checkpoint, and every pat-down, they change their gloves. Um, Look at the TSA searchable Can I Bring database. That's what uh, they're suggesting. It's online. There's a free mobile app. And all you do is uh, search TSA, and it'll give you the uh, Can I Bring database. Uh, And holiday food. Boy, that's um, food items uh, always have extra screening. And there is a given rule that I'm going to share with you. So, uh, goods that are baked and cooked, stuffing, casseroles, turkey pies, actually are allowed to go through security checkpoints. But sauces, sides, drinks uh, like eggnog and full-size alcohol bottles are not allowed to go through. And what is the most commonly confiscated item that goes through those TSA checkpoints? The number one item. Peanut butter. Peanut butter is the number one item. And here's the golden rule. If you can spread it, spray it, pump it, pour it, put it in your bag. Let it ruin your clothes when it leaks. And then finally, here's a recommendation that makes a lot of sense. If you're bringing presents, don't wrap them. Because here's what's happened. If it goes through the x-ray and there is any question whatsoever... Or you are one of those lucky people to get the random search of your bags. They unwrap it. They tear it open. So the TSA suggests use gift bags. The gift bags fold. They're already at the bottom of the suitcase. And then you go to wherever you're going and you give the gift in a gift bag. Uh, I am, I, I'm a huge fan of gift bags. Uh, enormous fan. Uh, why? Because you don't have to wrap takes a lot of time. Gift bags are really easy to get. I get mine at the supermarket. You know, when they ask paper or plastic, I ask for paper. And uh, it's always a good gift bag. So just be careful. And don't travel, by the way. Okay. Uh, I want to do a little bit of history, a handle history. Santa Claus and Coca-Cola. How the two are inextricably connected. I know you sort of heard that. and You may know that. 
but I'm going to give you the true backstory, and we'll do that when we come back. This is KFI AM 640. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve. Good morning, everybody. Bill Handel here and the morning crew. December 24th, uh, Thursday, some of the top stories we are covering. Uh, some bad news. Uh, L.A. County, uh, the deadliest day of the pandemic yesterday. Uh, 3,400 Americans died uh, yesterday. Uh, the president grants pardons and commutations uh, as expected. Uh, and and then the president did something really interesting. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, he throws the stimulus package in an uproar uh, and uh, effectively threatens to veto it. He does veto the defense bill. And uh, so we're going to talk about uh, that. Boy, is he going out with a bang. Now, uh, let's get to the holiday season, which we're in the middle of, uh, tomorrow being Christmas. And what does Christmas mean? Santa Claus. And we know the connection between Santa Claus and Coca-Cola. Everybody does. But let me give you a, a little backstory because before 1931, and Santa Claus has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Matter of fact, going uh, yeah, going back to 1200s, 1300s maybe. Uh, he was uh, depicted everything from a really tall, skinny, gaunt guy uh, a, to a, a bishop wearing a bishop's robe, uh, animal skins in uh, the Norse country. And uh, Civil War cartoonist, a guy by the name of Thomas Nast, very famous man, uh, drew him for Harper's Weekly in 1862, a small elf-like figure. And Nast continued to draw Santa for 30 years, just like that. So how how does it connect with Coca-Cola? Because Coca-Cola changed everything. Uh, Coca-Cola in, 19, in the 20s um, started its advertising campaign with uh, magazines uh, like the Saturday Evening Post. It was one of the premier corporations that really were part of the early days of mass consumption advertising. And the first Santa ads were that skinny-looking Santa Claus. In 1930, uh, there was an artist, Fred Meisen, who painted a department store Santa uh, drinking a bottle of Coke. It was next to uh, the world's largest soda fountain, which is in St. Louis. And uh, that Santa was used in print ads all through the season by Coca-Cola. We go a year later, uh, Coke ads are appearing in uh, popular magazines all over the place. And uh, what uh, an advertising agency executive did is he wanted to show a wholesome Santa, both realistically and symbolic. So Coca-Cola commissions an illustrator, Haddon Sundblom, or Sunblom, to develop advertising images of Santa, uh, showing Santa himself, not someone dressed as a Santa. That's when Santa became a real person in the world of advertising. And he actually turned to uh, the Twas the Night Before Christmas uh, to f that depiction of Santa, a warm, friendly, pleasantly plump, now he's downright fat, and a human Santa. That Santa debuted 1931 in Coke ads in the Saturday Evening Post, and that's when it really took off. From 1931 to 64... Uh, Coke advertised showing Santa delivering toys and playing with the kids, uh, pausing to read a letter, enjoy a Coke, of course, visiting with the kids who stayed up to greet him, 
raiding the refrigerators. And uh, that, by the way, those original oil paintings uh, are insanely uh, valuable today. Matter of fact, all of uh, the billboards and posters and calendars are all collector's items now from that theory, uh, from that period. So the final version of Santa, Coca-Cola, which uh, every other Santa now uh, takes uh, the uh, takes from the Coca-Cola leadership. I mean, that's Santa now. Uh, that was created in 1964. Uh, and uh, for several decades, uh, Coke uh, featured those Santas based on uh, Sunblom's original works. And uh, that's the fat Santa that we know today. And it's... Um, it's sort of iconic. Oh, by the way, just to let you know who the models were, Sonbun, Sonblom painted the first image of Santa using a live model, his friend, a retired salesman. When he died, then he used himself as a model and then finally began relying on photographs. People so enjoyed these uh, and paid such close attention. It's like watching a movie and trying to pick out those little mistakes that are being made. The guy in the background wearing a checkered shirt in a Star Wars film, that sort of thing. And so um, in one year, Santa's belt was backwards because Sonblum was painting in a mirror. Uh, everybody went nuts. One year, no wedding ring. Of course, he's married to Mrs. Claus. And uh, people went berserk. Uh, the children who appear with Santa were his neighbors, two little girls, but he changed one to a boy, and the dog uh, that was with Santa in 1964, um, uh, that dog was based on a gray poodle belonging to a neighbor, uh, but Sonblum wanted the dog to stand out, so uh, that gray poodle became, uh, had black fur. In 1942, uh, Coke introduced Sprite Boy, uh, who appeared with Santa Claus in Coke advertising through the 40s and 50s. Now, not, ma- not many people uh, have uh, know about Sprite Boy. It's like Batman and Robin. And uh, he got his name because uh, he was a Sprite or an elf. It wasn't until after that, 10 years, uh, actually through the... Um, uh, the 60s, that actually there was a beverage Sprite. So it wasn't the character named after the beverage. It was the beverage named after the character. And then in 2001, that artwork from the 1963 painting of uh, Sonblum uh, became an animated commercial starring the Coca-Cola Santa and uh, the story of Santa. I love these backstories. I truly love it. I have one, uh, and uh, I don't know if I have time to share it, so I'm not going to tease it. Uh, but it's, it's a great story. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's the best story I've ever had, I've ever uh, told in my entire broadcasting career of over 30 years. Uh, I'm not going to tell it because we don't have time, uh, but it truly is worth telling. How's that for a tease, huh? Merry Christmas, heart of gold. Coming up. The second stimulus checks, uh, who qualifies, who doesn't, and we're going to find out if it even is going to go out with what the president just did. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
And uh, good morning, everybody. Bill Handel here. The day before Christmas, uh, Thursday, December 24. Uh, now, in my last segment, uh, I was teasing you, saying I have a Christmas story for you, and it's one of the best ones, but we don't have time. Well, actually, uh, I conflated the dates. I thought today was April 1, uh, April Fool's Day, so uh, I am going to tell you the story. And I'd love just to jerk your chain and say, oh, come on, Handel, really? You're going to tease us with that? And uh, so uh, here is the story. Uh, There is a song uh, called The Christmas Song. Now, uh, that you don't recognize the name, but the tune, I guarantee you, you recognize. Jake or Eric? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Hello, Eric. Can we play the song? It's playing, boss. Jack Frost. All right, we're waiting for the computer to uh, kick up. Uh, I don't know if you're not hearing it up, but we're hearing it here. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Being sung by choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Yeah, sorry about that. It wasn't going through my headsets for a moment. All right, so that is uh, the Christmas song, first uh, sung by Nat King Cole. So who wrote that song? And this is a fun local story. Mel Torme, great jazz singer, very famous. Uh, uh, Anybody who is over 12 knows that name. He wrote it with uh, Bob Wells. And Daisy Torme, Mel Torme's daughter, who happens to be a friend of mine, only because she worked uh, in our building, uh, she worked, well, you know, stations change their names and formats all the time, as you know. Uh, KFI was a big band station until 1989, and so uh, you have different formats. The stations just turn around and, you know, go talk radio back to music to spanish etc so that was when and i think it was kieb uh was uh a standard stations frank sinatra all of that and daisy torme had a had a show and uh, i talked to daisy all the time and she told me the story of the christmas song uh written by her dad and bob wells back in 1944 and let me tell you, there are five kids uh, that uh, uh, that Mel Torme had. That song, that Christmas song, has kept five people going <laughs> since 1944. Uh, the royalties uh, still kick in where each of the five kids get a very healthy check every year because of that one song. So how was that song created? Well, Mel Torme used to live in Tarzana in the San Fernando Valley. And one summer day, I mean, it was 103 degrees outside, middle of the summer, San Fernando Valley, hotter than hell. He and Bob Wells sit down at the piano and start the song. In one afternoon, they knock out chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And, uh... I asked Daisy, I said, let me get this right. Uh, I'm willing to bet that that song started chestnuts roasting on an open fire because it felt like their chestnuts were roasting on an open fire. And that's that's how they got their first line, right? No, that's not right, Bill. But 
it was uh, it's the biggest hit he ever had, and it was a matter of minutes that he wrote it. Uh, much like um, a story of Paul McCartney with yesterday, uh, he he knocked it out in a matter matter of minutes. I mean, you get these uh, these whips wisps of genius songs that come, and maybe you don't even know where they are. So anyway, that's the Christmas song, the story of that with. Um, and uh, the very great Nat King Cole was the first one. And since then, I don't know how many hundreds of times that song has been covered. I think virtually every artist who's ever had a Christmas album, which, by the way, is everybody who's ever sung uh, publicly or had an album, all of them have a Christmas uh, album, uh, that is a perennial. That song stays uh, a, a classic, one of the great classics. There's the backstory of uh, a Christmas song I wanted to share with you. And, you know, well, I'll try to get to um, uh, the stimulus checks, uh, and I'm trying to figure out, do I want to do that or the presidential pardons? Uh, let's do the stimulus checks, uh, because that is really important for all of us, because we're all affected by that. And uh, then a little bit later on, uh, we have uh, Cool Space News. Uh, Rod Pyle joins us. What happened this past year? And then I'm going to reflect, uh, as you are, no doubt, uh, talking about uh, what happened this past year, one of the most momentous, horrible years that I think any of us can remember. Uh, And that's all coming up. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. He used to meet me on the east side in the city where the sun goes in. And uh, good morning, everybody. Bill Handel here on a uh, Thursday morning, uh, December 24. Uh, A little bit of politics, and uh, the reason is uh, this affects all of us, because this has to do with the second stimulus checks uh, that are going out to every American uh, making under $75,000 a year. Uh, The first one just went out uh, because it had to go out overnight, and uh, a lot of holes Uh, A lot of loopholes in it, a lot of fraud, a lot of waste, but there was no choice. Uh, The Congress, uh, the regulators didn't have a chance to plug everything because uh, Americans so desperately needed the money. Well, uh, here we are, second time out, and Americans desperately need the money. And the second stimulus check uh, is going to be on its way, and it could very well happen by... Uh, if not the end of next week, the following week. And here are the politics, because just as this bill had been voted on, I mean, it had been finally argued and it's been going on for months and Republicans and Democrats finally came to uh, a compromise. Democrats wanted twelve hundred dollars per person on the stimulus check. Uh, The Republicans wanted far less. They agreed to $600. The Democrats wanted $600 per week, extended benefits, unemployment benefits. Uh, the compromise was reached at $300 and then uh, per week. And then uh, a compromise is all over the place. And just as the vote was about to take place, the president effectively said he's vetoing it because he wants at least $2,000 or he wants $2,000 checks issued. Republicans are reeling on this one. I mean, this is more than what the Democrats wanted in the first place. And uh, Nancy Pelosi said, oh, yeah, we'll do it right now. Just bring it and we'll vote on it tomorrow. And, of course, the Republicans are saying, no, no, no. And this is the president 
who is throwing a monkey wrench into the works. Because what's happening now is the president is turning on Republicans. Uh, If uh, these Republicans don't show utter loyalty to him and still uh, have not, uh, still don't continue to deny that Joe Biden is going to be the next president, then uh, that's an anti-Trump stance. And now that person has become an enemy. Mitch McConnell who uh, has said uh, Joe Biden's our next president-elect, has become a an enemy of Donald Trump. So in he throws that, uh, and that has thrown up uh, the uh, second package or this package up in the air. Uh, it's going to pass. Uh, right now, the Republican leadership is not going to follow the president's position. I mean, there'll be plenty of senators and Congress people that will gladly do anything what the president says. I mean, if the president says uh, jump, they simply say how high. But now we have a situation that actually surpasses all politics, and that is bringing money to uh, the American people that is so desperately needed. And even though the president says two thousand uh, dollars, he might as well have said eighty thousand dollars for all the good that would have done. Uh, All it does is slow everything up and sets up the battle lines between those Republicans are saying, no, this is where we're drawing the line. We have a deal. We've agreed to it. Uh, We didn't want the $1,200 being too much. $2,000 is out of the question. And uh, the question is, does the president really want $2,000 to go into the hands of the Americans? Or do you question uh, that is politically motivated? I'll leave it up to you to decide. But let me tell you what you are going to get. You will get the $600 uh, one-time payment uh, if you made $75,000 or less. Uh, And that's per household. And uh, couples, well, no, that's per person. Couples, uh, $150,000. And they will get two checks, $600 each. And if there are kids in the family uh, that are dependents, uh, they will each get $600 in a one-time check. There will also be $300 supplemental unemployment insurance. If you remember, there was $600 for a period of months that ended July 31. And Republicans didn't particularly like that one because thought that uh, people were actually making more money on unemployment than they were employed, which in some cases was true and thought vast numbers of people would stop working. Uh, Well, they weren't working anyway, but would not go back to work. Well, that's not true either. Uh, And why people wanted their jobs back because for a couple reasons, it's nice to have a job Uh, when business opens up. Uh, the first people that are going uh, to be rehired are those that are willing to be rehired. Uh, and uh, the unemployment benefits disappear. And the job hopefully continues on. So uh, there weren't many people. And I asked and I researched and uh, very few, I don't know of any, said, oh, I'm, I don't want to go back to work because I'm making more money. Well, yeah, for a very short period of time, that's very short-sighted. So uh, it's going to be until March 31st, $300 on top of your unemployment. Those are the two big ones. There's also an eviction moratorium, uh, which was set to uh, set to expire at the end of the year. That's going to go for another month. And those have to do this. is a federal moratorium, but that's FHA uh, guaranteed loans. If, you're a, if you have borrowed money privately outside of the government, it doesn't affect you whatsoever. And then there are uh, a few other ones uh, that I want to share with you. The the two biggest by far 
uh, is uh, are the six hundred dollars uh, one time and the three hundred dollars extended until the end of March. Uh, f- there's also uh, small businesses uh, that are being helped. For those of you that work for or own small businesses, there is some uh, PPP money, payroll protection plan money, and uh, those are going out. And again, the application, it's a little complicated with the rules, but you know, look it up. It's available on the internet. Uh, colleges are receiving some additional funds, and that's to provide financial aid uh, grants to students. Uh, student loans, uh, there is another extension of the interest-free payment pause. Uh, that's going to expire uh, at the end of January. And then there are some uh, aspects of uh, the new bill. Uh, for example, authorizing a discount uh, off broadband rates up to $50 a month for households because of the issue of students uh, that are at-home learning that live uh, in poor areas who can't af- either afford computers, which there already is a program in place to buy them through local sources and state sources, and uh, to pay for broadband. Broadband is not inexpensive. I mean, that's sort of the top of the heap. You need fast broadband to study uh, with a computer at home. So this is a $50 uh, per month grant. And then the surprise medical bills. We talked about that yesterday. The surprise medical bills, uh, providers and insurers have to negotiate payment for out-of-network doctors, hospital, air ambulance bills. I talked about that uh, yesterday during emergency care. So patients will only owe their typical in-network costs. So effectively, you go to the emergency room and you have no choice as to where to go if someone calls an ambulance, you're unconscious, you don't know what the hell is going on. Your hospital is full or by law, they have to take you to the nearest hospital, which is out of network. And all of a sudden, tens of thousands of dollars uh, are sent your way in bills, which if you were in network, you wouldn't have to pay for. Under this new program says, guess what, you hospitals, you providers, we're only going to let you charge what that in-network price would be. So that's a big one. And then there's child care uh, grants uh, using to help families with copay and tuition care. So uh, those are some of the provisions this bill will go through. Uh, yesterday, didn't know if it was going to. When the president said, I'm stopping everything, uh, well, Let him veto the bill. It'll be overridden. He uh, already vetoed the defense bill. uh, And the main reason or one of the main reasons he didn't want those uh, bases, those military bases renamed uh, because they had names of Confederate war generals and heroes. And he said, nope. And And he vetoed the bill and mentioned that as one of the primary reasons. Well, that's going to be overturned. They're going to override the veto as well as this one, too. All right, cool space news coming up. Rod Pyle, let's talk about what happened this year with space. Let's move into a good direction. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
Buying a mattress can be tough. With so many choices, it's overwhelming. Where do you even start? Introducing Bedmatch, a patented diagnostic system that determines your pressure points and recommends the mattresses that are best for your individual sleep needs. Sounds easy, right? It is. And it's found only at Mattress Warehouse. Try Bedmatch at a mattress warehouse near you. Visit sleephappens.com for locations and get free next day delivery on select purchases. Mattress Warehouse. Sleephappens.com Don't shoot me everybody. Handle here in the morning crew. It is Thursday, December 24, uh, the day before Christmas. And uh, I can't wait for the new year for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one being uh, it's not going to be this year. Uh, some of the big stories that we are covering, uh, L.A. County, worst day, deadliest day of the pandemic. And as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday, I think the third worst day of uh, the number of deaths in the United States at over 3,400. God, we're having a tough time with this one. While the vaccine is rolling out or the vaccines are rolling out, uh, the government had said uh, that we'll have 20 million people vaccinated by the end of the year. We're not going to come close. Uh, I mean, they're straightening out the distribution problems, but uh, there's going to be a lag. Uh, also, uh, get ready for red flag warnings, Santa Ana wind conditions. You know what those sailors say, red flag warnings in the morning probably means it's still a red flag in the evening. It is time for Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. We haven't had Rod on for a while, but I want to go back uh, throughout this year because there actually have been... Uh, some extraordinary advances in uh, the world of uh, space, uh, specifically commercially, as well as bringing uh, Americans to the space space uh, to the space station uh, with American vehicles. Rod, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, waiting for the end of the year. Uh, yeah. All right, let's uh, uh, get to it because we I know we have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah. The big advances uh, this year, and I'm assuming the one word we would use is SpaceX. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's been a lot of cool stuff happening, but but certainly in terms of what we see that kind of makes us gasp, I, I have to say SpaceX takes the cake. And, you know, that I'm sure you saw the launch of their serial number eight test of Starship. And it's a shame that the the broader media covered it as, hey, this thing blew up. It was a failure, but it was really a spectacular success. This was Elon's test of his new Starship, which is this huge, ultimately, it'll be bigger than the Saturn V. Now they're just testing the top half. But this huge vehicle that'll be able to deliver like 100 tons of cargo to orbit or more. And, uh, it, you know, 95% of it worked fine. It just hit too hard when it came home, but everything else was perfect. All right. So uh, is this the spacecraft uh, that is going to take uh, men to Mars uh, within the next 10 years, give or take? This is that this is idea. He hopes five years, 10 might be more realistic, but it'll take men and women to Mars. Uh, he claims up to 80 at a time. But I have to say, looking at that thing, I'm not sure I could stand being with 79 other people in something the size of a really big RV. But nonetheless. He does hope to send it uncrewed in in a couple of years and then with a crew. He's also going to do a round-the-moon flight with that uh, Japanese billionaire who's going to take 
eight of his closest friends or artists or something in a loop the moon flight, they say in 2023. Now, uh, as of yet, and I know this was the year we were supposed to have uh, a space tourism where people paid, and we're talking about the Virgin Galactic, I think, uh, where yeah. people would pay a quarter of a million bucks or whatever they were going to charge for uh, your six minutes of weightlessness, uh, which <laughs> I've never understood that at all, because uh, going in a good, fast elevator uh, or a, a fast roller coaster, you're doing the same thing, and it's not costing you a quarter right. million dollars. Uh, where, where do we stand on that one? They are about uh, 12 years late uh, on their own timeline and still struggling. Uh, they just got a new round of investment, them being Virgin Galactic. But it's a small operation, a small shop, and, and really advanced technology. So it'll be, I think, a couple of years before that happens. And, of course, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin, his new Shepherd rocket, is supposed to do the same thing. But in that one, you go straight up in a capsule and then come back down without reaching orbit. Um, eventually, uh, SpaceX's Starship is supposed to do point-to-point transport from points on Earth, like you know New York to Shanghai in 39 minutes, kind of thing. So that will be, in effect, a similar experience. And then NASA finally cleared space tourism for the space station. So next year, that's supposed to start happening. Now I, that one seems. Uh... I mean, that's futuristic, and I know we're going to get there at some point, uh, but using it as transport, literally uh, getting in a spacecraft and going, as you said, from New York to Shanghai. By the way, would they charge extra for uh, baggage? Do you get the first bag free? (laughs) No idea, but uh, they say it's going to cost not too much more than a first-class ticket by the time they get going. But again, this is... You know, this is aspirational, and I think it'll take a while because you've got to get the safety up to where airliners are, right? And that's that's a huge chore with something this this ambitious. Yeah, moving back to uh, SpaceX for a moment. uh, Mm -hmm. Originally, I had read, and I think we talked about this, that NASA or uh, private enterprise uh, effectively chartering, paying SpaceX to put either people uh, or satellites uh, up in space was going to cost. 10% of what it costs NASA at this point now to put up uh, cargo and people. Uh, It doesn't seem like much of a bargain. Uh, I read that normally it's $90 million uh, per person. It's now down to 60. I mean, it doesn't cost, there doesn't seem to be that much savings. Uh, Am I right? Well, the savings they were talking about was the development of it was somewhere between half and, and 10% of what it costs to do it the the old-fashioned way with all these cost-plus contracts and cost overruns and so forth. Now it's a fixed fee. In terms of the per-flight cost, you're right. It's not as dramatic a a reduction. But remember that the SpaceX capsule can park up there just as long as the Soyuz. It carries much more cargo. Uh, It can carry more people per flight. So the more people you put in there, the lower the cost gets because it's a fixed fee to deliver them there. And um, there are a number of other advantages, not the least of which is the Soyuz was designed in about 1964 to try to beat us to the moon. So while they've upgraded it, it's still a very old-fashioned spacecraft. The SpaceX uh, Dragon 2 capsule, if you ever get a chance to see it, you step inside that thing, and it's like I'm sitting in the future with just glass panels. There's not junk and stuff shoved in every corner like there is with the Soyuz. It's just a spectacular little spaceship. All right, uh, Rod, uh, we'll talk again at the first of the year. 
awesome. and hopefully some great things are going to happen next year with space. You have a good one. Enjoy your holidays. Thanks. All take right. Care. Take care, Rod. All right. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the presidential pardons. I'm moving uh, the segments around a little bit. Uh, but the president has just pardoned. I think it's now 27 people, uh, supporters, friends, uh, and uh, everybody's in an uproar over that. Uh, well, first of all, it's no surprise. Uh, but second of all, he's not alone. I want to go through a little bit of history of presidential pardons. And, uh, you know, at the time, when, and I'm talking about recent presidential pardons, uh, people were shaking their heads at those, too. And I'll share a few of those before we go to handle on the news. And then uh, coming up at nine o'clock, a little bit of reflection on 2020. What a year it has been. And uh, we'll dive into that. This is uh, KFI AM 640. And uh, good morning, Bill Handel. It is a uh, Thursday morning, December 24, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, and uh, tomorrow's Christmas, and I'm going through the year because I'm not back until uh, the first Monday in January. So for me, today is the last ye- day of the year, certainly in terms of uh, sitting behind the microphone here. Uh, one of the big stories that we are covering are the presidential pardons. Uh, the president now is up to 27 pardons, friends, supporters. Uh, no surprise. We were expecting that. And the pardons are going to come flying uh, like crazy. And a tremendous controversy. What a horrible human being he is. Uh, well, you know, this is uh, not only not a surprise. We're expecting it. Uh, but also, he's not alone. This is what presidents do, uh, especially their last days. And if you go back in history, I mean, this is just as relatively little, small potatoes compared to the pardons uh, that we have had, even up to recent days. So let me give you a little handle history of pardons. Uh, 1858, there was a little pardon. Uh, James Buchanan issued a blanket pardon for all the Mormons in the country. And the deal was... um, They accepted U.S. authority over Utah. Uh, They decided to become a state. And in return, uh, the Mormons, who actually had fought the United States and therefore were guilty of uh, treason, insurrection, sedition, etc., done. All Mormons, you're in. Give a polygamy, accept the United States, and you are hereby forgiven. Uh, 1865, after the Civil War, uh, Johnson, President Andrew Johnson, who, of course, followed Abraham Lincoln, pardoned all the Confederate soldiers. Now, Lincoln would have done the same, clearly, but that's a big pardon because these Confederate soldiers were had uh, were treasonous. They had fought against the United States. Take up arms against the country and see what happens to you. It's It's treason. Now... Moving into the modern era, and this is the one that we've lived through for those of us that were there during Clinton years and Richard Nixon years. I was really young at that time, obviously. Uh, Clinton pardoned Patty Hearst and the Weathermen. The Weathermen, outright terrorists. Domestic terrorists, Lincoln, uh, Clinton pardons them. And then Patty Hearst, which was a, a real weird one because she was the one that was the Symbian, uh, Symbian uh, Liberation Army. Uh, Simeonese Liberation Army, and she was William Randolph's Hearst granddaughter, and it was, anyway, she became a terrorist. Um, 
Clinton pardons his half-brother. So for those of you that are upset about Donald Trump uh, pardoning Jared Kushner's dad, uh, even though it was long, long ago, he had gone to prison for it uh, and has now a full pardon. Uh, Clinton pardons his half-brother, Roger Clinton, who was convicted of cocaine trafficking and for no other reason that his last name was Clinton. So don't nail Donald Trump any more than you would have nailed uh, any other president. Obama, right, frees Chelsea Manning, the WikiLeaks source, put the United States at huge risk, literally put the United States security at risk, and uh, Obama pardons him. Uh, He actually commutes the 35-year prison sentence as being, oh, that's way too much. The guy was a traitor. So uh, also Manning is now a transgender. And uh, what can I tell you? I don't know if that was part of it. Probably not. Uh, Richard Nixon freed Lieutenant William Calley. Remember my lay where you had uh, the 1968 massacre of villagers and the massacre was, uh, in fact, done by U.S. soldiers. Calley was the only one convicted. In the entire war of the war crimes that happened in Vietnam, and there were plenty of them, but he's the one that was a scapegoat, uh, even though he was clearly in charge. So uh, there were plenty of other at fault. Uh, he received broad public sympathy, and Nixon freed him. Uh, so, you know, that was controversial. Uh, you had uh, Clinton in 1999 and 2017. Uh, well, uh, the FALN terrorists in 1999 uh, offered prison commutations to six, 16 members of a Puerto Rican uh, terrorist group. Uh, 100 bombs in the 70s and 80s, and he gave them pardons. Uh, Ford pardons Richard Nixon in 1974. I remember being so upset about that uh, because why is Nixon above the law? Any one of us who obstructed justice like this would have received a prison sentence. And the whole concept of Watergate was nobody is above the law except the president, including the president. And uh, Gerald Ford pardons him. Well, it turned out probably to be a good move. Uh, The country needed to heal and move forward. Incidentally, that costs uh, Gerald Ford uh, his election. Uh, Clinton, let's go back to Clinton. He was, let me tell you, Clinton's pardons were kind of bizarre. Uh, Here was the one that was probably most controversial and I think the most disgusting. He pardons Mark Rich. This is a billionaire who stole hundreds of millions of dollars uh, and uh, all kinds of tax evasion. So he runs. His wife is pitching Bill Clinton to pardon him so Rich could come back to the United States a free man. Uh, he and his wife had given millions of dollars to Democratic campaigns, fundraisers, etc., including the Clinton campaign. And his wife convinces him to pardon Mark Rich. And that is uh, that was done in the last minutes of the Clinton presidency. So as upset as you may be, uh, and I'm right there in terms of the pardons that are flying out of the White House. Hey. There's plenty more that happened recently, and this is where presidents, I think, uh, sort of lose it in the last few minutes. Eh, it's a throwaway. I'm out of office anyway. 
Coming up, Handle on the News, late edition on this Thursday morning. Handle on the News, late edition. Handle on the News. I think the racist radio is broken, guys. Uh, that was fun, though, huh? Yeah, great time. Oh, great. And now, here's Bill Handel. And uh, good morning, Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Thursday morning, uh, December 24, the day before Christmas. Uh, and all through the house, not a creature was moving, not even a moose, uh, because they get uh, pretty loud. Uh, so, I did that work? Uh, I'm going to label it a successful reimagining of a holiday <laughs> classic. Got it. Uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, entertain a handle on uh, the news late edition. Uh, Michael Crozier in for uh, Jennifer this morning. Wayne Resnick and me. Lead story. So uh, you got uh, you got my money? Oh, that's good. All right. I'll buy that. Not bad, Eric. Uh, the House Republican Republicans shot down what the president wanted in this new uh, bill, the relief bill that had been voted on. It's done uh, and had been negotiated and it's done. And the president threw a monkey wrench in there and said, I, I want two thousand dollars per person instead of the six hundred dollars that you negotiated. And that put the Republicans in a really bad situation. The Democrats said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the more money, the merrier. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to get $5,000 per person, we're fine. Well, the Republicans fought, 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 if you remember, to bring it down to $600. And now what do they do? Well, President, it's not going to work, but it's purely political move. And uh, it's it was actually brilliant on his side because he he becomes the, the big populist. Uh, wanting to help people. Uh, the Republicans are, uh, he screws them over uh, because they're not backing him up. The Democrats are saying, yeah, we love what the president did. I mean, I got to tell you, it is uh, just tremendous, but it's not going to pass. What is going to pass is a $600, just like it was originally planned. Do you think that 600 uh, that uh, come January 6th, when Congress uh, verifies the votes and all that, that that will, that Trump will do even more to kind of stick it in the craw of Republicans till he's out? You see this? Oh, as, uh, I think ramping he's going to. I think he's going to continue to stick it in the craw of every anybody who didn't back him up, who didn't show him loyalty. The the, the Democrats, it's a given. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's no more or less angry with them than he's always been. Uh, he know everybody knows where Trump and the and the Democrats stand when it comes to Republicans now. Uh, now it, he's lashing out on, against Republicans more so than Democrats. His enemies have now become Republicans. The last three weeks are going to be oh, entertaining yeah. as hell. The Inland Empire has been fighting the state's safety orders for COVID, even though it's now apparently a COVID hot zone itself. I've got the corona. I've got the virus. They said that uh, paramedics, ambulance drivers have been having to wait six hours to offload COVID-19 patients out there in San Bernardino, a couple areas out there. Uh, yeah, uh, bad choices, no matter what we do. Uh, do you lock down, which hurts everybody business-wise? Uh, do you allow businesses, which hurts everybody health-wise? Once so these hospitals start really losing all the space that they're losing, it just becomes harder and harder for people that have been denying this thing is real in the first place to keep denying it. Oh, no, there's still going to be people who deny. It's, it's all, you know, for some people, it's fake news no matter what. Yeah. 
until, until they somebody are, in their family right. dies or they're sitting in the hospital. Yep. When you are a coronavirus hotspot, it's too late for any kind of early warning systems. But for those who can still take advantage of it, science is saying, look at the poop. Come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the Sewer systems can be key in identifying and even stopping COVID-19 outbreaks because although we think of it as a respiratory disease, which it is, we do shed the virus when we, you know what, and so by looking at what's in sewers, uh, it's it's sort of like an early warning system for where there might be a sizable number of people shedding that virus. Yeah. If you haven't already had a major outbreak, that would be an area to focus on for interdiction. I saw two or three weeks ago that there was a, an, another a similar research study where they where they looked at the sewage treatment plant. I think it was like Connecticut or somewhere in the Northeast where they said they knew it was coming two or three weeks ahead and for that exact same reason. So yeah. this is being done all over the place. Uh, and here's another story uh, dealing with uh, bodily functions, but it's sort of a better way. All right. Researchers are looking at the healing effects of boob juice to treat COVID-19. Boob juice? Come on. Oh, I like that. I mean, most of us call it breast milk, but what the hell, Crozier? Healing effects. Come on. It's a beautiful thing. We shouldn't be so, uh, I don't know, demonizing about it. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's you know, a- a- any little possible uh, uh, attempt or a little bit of information under any circumstances we got to go for, because uh, this really becomes incremental uh, and uh, more and more information. And we can't get enough information as to this virus. As much as we know about the vaccine, for example, developing a vaccine in 11 months and actually having it uh, utilized and being distributed uh, is an extraordinary feat that's never happened again. We still don't know so much about this virus. Let's take a break. Uh, We'll come back and uh, do more. Actually, we'll finish up Handle on the News Late Edition. Look what God gave her, how perfect he made her. She walks in the room, it's like he answered my prayers. The way that she moves, how could anybody blame her? And uh, welcome back. Bill Handle on a uh, Thursday morning, December 24th. Let's finish up Handle on the News Late Edition. Michael Crozier in for Jennifer today, uh, Wayne Resnick in for himself today, and uh, me. No Christmas lights on the outside of the house, no lights of any kind inside. Southern California Edison has cut the power to about 18,500 customers because of red flag fire conditions and There's about 150,000 customers in the crosshairs for potential shutoffs. Now, that's across across five counties, L.A., Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, Ventura. But keep in mind, stories like this, there is always a silver lining. And you know what that is? Oh, boy. It didn't happen to you. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. Are you getting notices at all? I get, I get them no. almost every day for the no. last month. I'm in uh, I'm in DWP land. Uh, yep. And Department of Water and Power doesn't have any of those problems. I've been getting them almost every day, and I have yet to have mine shut off, though. Okay. Well, no. count your lucky stars. Knock wood. Keep your fingers crossed. Rub that rabbit's foot. And if it happens to you, uh, okay, fine. You know, let's just move on. LA's telling us to stop using the city's Quake Alert app in favor of the state's Quake Alert app. Is it Shake Alert LA? That app's going to stop issuing any sort of warnings after December 31st. Everybody, they want them all, they want them all to go to do the My Shake app. But all right. They say it's all the same technology, so you're not changing anything. Makes sense. 
what a geek that guy is, Garcetti, because basically this is a failure. It's a failure for uh, L.A. to have its own app. But when he announces this, he says, oh, this was such a great thing. It was so great. And it's so important that you get alerts. So download the state's app now. Was it was L.A. the first major city to, to have anything? No, like that? I don't think so. Up north was, wasn't it? I think uh, the uh, the Bay Area, one of the cities there, was before uh, before we kicked in. I think because uh, the G- USGS director says that uh, the city of LA delivered the country's first cell phone app for mass delivery of earthquake warning alert. Okay, so maybe it was a few hundred miles south of the Bay Area. <laughs> uh, but well, there I'm, are I'm northern close. parts of LA. So maybe that's what you meant. So yeah, I, that's what I meant. Okay. So could you make the argument, or Garcetti could, that they since they were first that it wasn't a failure that it did what it was supposed to do and now it's on a bigger scale state wise sure, i'm just just not? playing devil's advocate yeah why not yeah. why you would you you're sticking up for him let's <laughs> no. everybody know that you don't live in the city limits of la <laughs> this is true dozens of people are suing amazon because their ring cameras get hacked <laughs> They're laying out in these lawsuits the horrific things that they have experienced from people taking over their security cameras like death threats, racial slurs, blackmail. I don't think that's really where a strong case is, right, Bill? They're going to have to show that Amazon was deficient or negligent in creating these products no well first of all amazon bought ring uh it was a a, it was an independent company but i I, no, i disagree i think there's a case you know why because you're talking about some of the most sophisticated uh computer companies ring people uh who understand and you can say if it was that easy to hack you should anticipate something that easy unless it was a hack on a cyber attack level that is such world class that governments are involved. But I don't think it's that level. If it's uh, anticipation is, uh, I think, reasonable and the level of technology. And if it's fairly simple, uh, then no, I think Amazon is going to lose that one. I believe so. So here's a question for you. Can a witch get reparations? Because a church in Germany is apologizing for the indiscriminate killings of 400 suspected witches tortured and burned at the stake hundreds of years ago. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, the progeny, certainly, uh, if your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was burnt, uh, yeah. You'd have to prove that? Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's interesting that the church is finally apologizing and I think here's the issue. There was a pastor in that church that's been doing this for years, trying for years to get an apology. The church was silent on all of the killings. Just said nothing. Yeah. Well, nothing why, why sh- wouldn't they have kind of tacitly agreed with what was going on? What The, uh, the women you- were suspected of being witches. You think the church is going to go, oh, please don't burn witches. No, it was the, uh, I think it was the church itself that burnt the witches. So they're going to put up a plaque. <clears throat> they are going to put up a plaque. A memorial but plaque. The point is, it's an apology. Uh, same thing, it's, I think, happening with uh, the descendants of uh, slaves in this country. Uh, certainly as a government, uh, there has to be an apology. Sorry, institutionally, 
for what happened. So based on Germany's timeline, we got 250 more years to wait for that? Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Oh, guess what? It's another story involving poop, this time <laughs> as self-defense. I am a lion. There were a couple of wildlife researchers who were surprised by a hungry lion who tried to eat them. They fought off the lion by, amongst other things, punching the lion and flinging elephant poop at it, which begs some questions about... <laughs> Did they, did they already have a supply of this? <laughs> right there ready the to go? Or, yeah, but in any event, that's what happened, and they're okay, and the lion's probably okay, too. Because... No, the lion is probably dead. Uh, your heart actually goes out to this lion. This was a lion that was starving to death. It had been thrown out on, uh, been, uh, been thrown out of its pride, and uh, it was uh, on its last legs and attacked... Uh, uh, attacked this researcher uh, was uh, 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 fit, uh, he it was uh, he fought the uh, the lion off and he came back. It would have been more than uh, punching, flinging. It would have been my poop. It would have been kicking, biting, yeah, anything I, I know, could do. But so. uh, you know, uh, in the end, uh, they had hel- they had elephant poop nearby. Yeah, they did. Is that an iguana in your pocket or is it just cold? Very good. Yeah, I love South Florida uh, in the winter when it gets cold enough. The iguanas fall out of trees. <laughs> it is hilarious. I have to talk to my sisters who live in Miami to, to uh, see how much it has of to a get cold though. It's and, got to, and, then, and they effectively freeze, or at least uh, they get cold enough where they can no longer grip. And uh, there we go, the falling iguanas. <laughs> Just. Just the visual of that. Alone. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, okay, Tonga, let's do one more. Okay, uh, hmm, these cookies taste extra good. I wonder what's in them. I'm a snag. I'm a snag. Yeah, it's Python. I'm a snag. Come on, right. you get it. You're a snake. Good God. Uh, Python eggs being used to make Christmas cookies by a Florida snake catcher. Now, they have a big problem in Florida with these Burmese pythons everywhere. There's been an eradication program in place for several years, but I guess this woman is one of these uh, uh, tongue-to-tail chefs, uses every part of the python, cooks the meat, makes jerky out of the meat, makes Christmas cookies out of the eggs. Have you ever had snake meat? Yes. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. Matter of fact, every think about it. Everything tastes like chicken except chicken. Have you noticed that? What are you doing to your chicken? It's just, it doesn't matter what it is. It tastes like chicken. But anyway. Uh, we know how you're filling in that blank, everybody, and that's okay. Uh, I think we're done, guys. Uh, yeah, we are finished. Uh, coming up, scene. Uh, I'm going to ruminate a little bit. Uh, just spend a few moments uh, talking about uh, what happened uh, this past year. It's been an extraordinary year. Uh, it's been a very tough year for uh, most of us. I'll say virtually all of us. And I'm going to go through some of the highlights. And I guarantee you. Uh, that as I go through this, uh, you're going to go, oh, yeah, and that was horrible, too. We've forgotten half of what has happened uh, this year, uh, 2020. Boy, is that going to be a, is this going to be a historical year? I'll be, I'll be back with that. Uh, this is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
And uh, good morning on a uh, December 24. Bill Handel here and uh, the morning crew, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, today is uh, my last broadcast of the year. I won't be back until the first Monday in January. Uh, Wayne Resnick is going to fill in for me uh, starting, uh, I guess, Friday. And I and I think tomorrow it's uh, Neil Saavedra is uh, broadcasting, if I have that right. We, you have to... Yep, uh, Jesus Show. Okay, uh, he's doing the Jesus show, or he's the producing. He's producing the, the Jesus show. Yes, yes of course. Uh, we yes, he's the producer of the Jesus show, uh, as we say that with a straight face. Uh, now, uh, what I want to do, which I normally would do towards the end of the year, is uh, look at uh, twenty twenty in retrospect, and this is a year uh, that is well, you know that it's uh, in many ways the worst year of our lives. Uh, certainly on a personal level, if you've been unemployed, uh, still unemployed, uh, have uh, rent issues where you can't afford to pay the rent, uh, God forbid, lost a loved one to the virus, uh, someone is sick, you've been sick. Uh, so I, that's a given. I, I, and I think the most important part, I mean, I'm going to ruminate a little bit and go through the year and some thoughts about it is uh, this uh, 2020 will be the year of the pandemic. Uh, We started the year with the pandemic. If you remember, the first reports were December. Well, where we knew out of of China, we're talking December, but here it was February before it really started to uh, to break, and then March, April, it exploded. So we started the year with uh, news of the pandemic in the worst way possible. We're ending the year uh, with a pandemic still being the biggest story of the year with not only the worst news possible when you talk about the number of deaths, the number of hospitalizations, but also with the best news possible, uh, the success of vaccines to uh, stop the pandemic. And that all happened within a year. And that literally is a miracle. We already have uh, over a million people that have been inoculated. And uh, that's going to go by the millions. By next uh, summer, it'll be every American who wants a vaccine. But uh, since that was the biggest story, there are others that I want to share with you. And there have been so many, so many monumental events this year, 2020, that uh, as I was looking, uh, a lot of it was, oh, yeah, I Yes, I remember that, even to the point where these incidents would have been uh, so massively important, we would have been talking about them as the most important stories of the year. And they all pale to what's going on with the pandemic. But that being said, there are still important stories that affect us very deeply and affect us for the future. The pandemic, I think, is other than those people that have lost jobs and uh, are going to be forever affected financially, which are so many, or have lost loved ones who, of course, uh, they're affected forever on those. Uh, For many of us who still have homes, are still working, and have somehow luckily uh, been able to to move around uh, the pandemic or the effects, uh, that has not affected us as deeply. 
some other things that have happened have affected us as deeply because it's long-term and it just changes everything in America and how we are going to exist uh, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. So let's start with uh, Australia, the bushfires there. Uh, we covered it, but you know, if you're looking, if you live in Australia or have friends in Australia, a third of that country burnt and uh, probably the worst wildfires you can imagine. And uh, that is a huge story, but not so much for us because it happened way early and it happened to them. Uh, another story that uh, it became huge, and this is not so much a negative story, well, most of us got a little joy about this one, is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family. We're done. Thank you very much. Uh, that was extraordinary. Also, keep in mind that you have a royal uh, who married a mixed-race person, a commoner who wasn't even a Brit. Remember 1936? Uh, when you had Edward, uh, I think Edward VII, uh, abdicated. He couldn't stay on the throne because he hooked up with uh, an American divorcee. So life has changed. Oh, and, and the reason I bring this up uh, with Prince Harry and Meghan, uh, well, Harry, uh, Harry Windsor and Meghan, uh, is that they bought a little home. You know, they live in Malibu. You know, there's a little home they bought for $24 million uh, up in the hills of Malibu, and they also live in Canada. Uh, here's one uh, that uh, hit many, many people very hard. Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, uh, I didn't realize, because I, when I first heard the story and I talked to friends and I talked to people at KFI, I didn't realize the impact of the death of Kobe Bryant. It was extraordinary, and it made international news and, of course, it became national, hugely national, and it particularly hit us in Southern California because Kobe was a Laker. And so people saw him. Uh, so many millions have seen him and uh, knew he lived in Southern California. And the way he died, everybody knows exactly where, going to Orange County, from Orange County into Calabasas. I mean, this was a local, national, international story that stuck uh, that uh, struck all of us. And uh, particularly for the black community, and I, I truly didn't understand the depths of uh, the, the sentiment of his death. I mean, I got it within a few days, uh, but it hit very hard and very deep uh, to so many people. A young man losing his uh, with his daughter and other people on the helicopter. I mean, it was and I, and I remember as the story first came out. Uh, it was just a news item, a helicopter crash in Calabasas, uh, several people aboard. And then the story started trickling out. It's Kobe. It may be Kobe. It had been confirmed. And then it got more, and the, the snowball started rolling. So by the time it was confirmed, uh, L.A., uh, we were in a shutdown already at that point. Uh, the um, uh, Just the feeling, uh, that weight of someone you care for dying uh, way too early. All right, let me come back and talk about a couple of other extraordinary stories that, in retrospect, okay, but it's not just okay. They were huge. And we'll be back. Uh, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. I, 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 I'm in over my- And 
Welcome back, everybody. Bill Handel here on a Thursday, December 24th. Uh, a retrospective of what happened uh, this year. Uh, I mean, what a year it has been. And um, as I go through some of the stories, uh, and I'm giving you some thoughts, just uh, ruminating here. Uh, some of these stories are so massive, uh, but we've forgotten about them. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, for example, the impeachment of, uh, of Donald Trump. Who pays attention? Do you even remember he was impeached? I mean, it's it now in relative, uh, relative what's going on. It's such a small story. Uh, when Bill Clinton was impeached, it was wall to wall coverage. I mean, we I couldn't stop watching it this year. Eh, we knew what was going to happen. Uh, we absolutely knew, and uh, there it, it was a waste of time. So what would otherwise be a huge story turned out to really be a nothing story. Now, as I said earlier. There are some issues that have came up have come up that are going to have very long lasting. As a matter of fact, change the way America lives and works and believes. And uh, probably the biggest one is the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we haven't been talking a lot about that, except every time an unarmed black man is killed uh, by the police, the story uh, bubbles up again. And we now look at every single one of these shootings with a microscope. And uh, at, uh, at this point in time, I think we have to. And policing is going to change, certainly. Uh, dealing with uh, systemic racism, we finally have come to the point where we are looking at racism uh, with a microscope. Uh, looking what has happened in this country and African-Americans, how they are totally different than any other group of people. Because there are no other group, there's no other group that started their relationship as Americans as slaves. And that changes everything. So we have to look at that very carefully. Uh, Joe Biden becomes uh, the nominee and wins the presidency. And that is huge. And why? Why? Well, because uh, it couldn't be more opposite. Well, it could be, but it's uh, opposite of what we've had for the last four years. Uh, Effectively, what Joe Biden is going to do is bring us back to uh, where we were, not only uh, in terms of domestically, uh, but also within the community of nations. We're going to simply become a player again. By the way, that's not to say that uh, Trump, President Trump, didn't do some good things Uh, China taking totally advantage of us. I think it's going to continue. Russia being our best friends, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, We're going to go back to a country of relative moderation instead of a country that is boiling over in turmoil. Every day is different. Uh, Never know what's going to happen the next day. Uh, Because of an individual who uh, that happens to, that's the way Donald Trump ran for office was elected, uh, has, in fact, uh, exhibited that kind of behavior. Incidentally, there's no hidden agenda with Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, he is who he is. He said it. Here's who I am. And he was elected. So you can't uh, talk about hidden agendas. You just can't do that. There's no hypocrisy, particularly about Donald Trump. He has changed America. He has changed America Uh, Not only 
the way we are now being perceived and how we look at the world, that can be turned around. But how long-term is his influence going to be? Well, in one area, it's going to go on for 30 years, and that is uh, the nomination and the confirmation of three very conservative justices to the Supreme Court. And for those people that are so hugely upset, oh, my God, the liberal court or the moderate court, there have been plenty of times in history when the court was wildly left-wing. And now it's going to go the other way. And welcome to America. That's our system. We elect a president who nominates, who happens to have a Republican Senate, uh, who has a political agenda such that uh, his base wants that kind of justice, and it just all fell into place. It was a perfect storm, much like the election was. Just a perfect storm that fell in for President Trump. And uh, so we start uh, 2021 uh, with a new president, a new era, Uh, Some political turmoil that is going to extend, I don't know how long, because of uh, uh, Donald Trump's influence on politics in the Republican Party. That remains to be seen. Uh, But, of course, the big story, the one that historians are going to be looking at for a very long time, the beginning of the pandemic and the beginning of the end of the pandemic, all starting in 2020. It's been a hell of a year, to say the least. Tactical Thursday coming up. Uh, The fact that the Trump presidency is ending, uh, that may make uh, have some big implication for what's going on militarily. And uh, I'm going to go with Brian Suits. He's going to join us, and we'll end the show with uh, those segments. KFI AM 640. What have we got here? comedian. (laughs) You little scumbag. I got your name. I got your ass. And uh, good morning. Uh, Bill Handel here on a uh, Thursday, December 24, as uh, we finish the uh, show. And uh, every Thursday we do it with Brian Suits. Uh, Tactical Thursday. Uh, Brian at Dark Secret Place. Uh, that's his uh, social and uh, heard Saturdays, 8 to 11 p.m. with uh, the Dark Secret Place show. Sundays, 8 to 10 p.m., Super Hyper Local Sundays. Uh, Brian, uh, good morning, as uh, we will spend the last uh, couple segments of the year together. And what I uh, want to do is obviously talk about this year and uh, what it has meant. And I think, and tell me if I am uh, correct on this one, uh, I think globally... Uh, geopolitically, globally, uh, in terms of the military, it has to do with the United States, Israel, uh, the fact that um, uh, you have a Trump presidency leaving uh, with uh, the best possibility of some kind of a mil- military action against Iran and the Arab world. I'm throwing a lot at you, but I want you to start. And uh, the Arab world finally recognizing the reality of Israel not only being in existence, but actually being a de facto ally uh, with them against Iran. Uh, yeah, and first let me congratulate U.S. Navy Captain Amy Bauernschmidt. She will be the first commanding officer of a aircraft carrier uh, very soon. Veteran, veteran, and a captain in the Navy is an 06, like a colonel. 
But anyway, um, congratulations to her. And uh, yeah, gigantic tectonic events in the Middle East were overshadowed by all these COVIDs running around. Uh, this, this has been an amazingly significant year. Nothing has been seen like it since 1948. The Camp David peace accords were all well and good, but it was just an American ribbon on something that already happened. Sadat flew uh, to Tel Aviv and spoke before the Knesset a year before Carter invited him to Camp David. There, there was Egyptian-Israeli peace. However, that's only if you're a historian. Um, what, what has been done in the past year and a half uh, w with the Gulf Arab states um, recognizing Israel and, and just putting an official stamp on what they had been doing anyway, uh, and and Netanyahu visiting Saudi Arabia three weeks ago uh, it, it is extraordinary. And however, you know, we have bigger fish to fry in 2020, we think. Uh, a, a real big one just might be jumping into the frying pan here in the next couple of weeks. But um, and here's the thing is that you can't undo it no matter what, no matter how much you dislike Trump or uh, Biden dislikes him or they can't nor will they. Poo-poo! Uh, what's gone on? Uh, because it it is uh, strategic. It's a, a strategic pivot that Israel uh, is now a de, de facto partner with the Gulf Arab states because they are not going to sit around <clears throat> and wait for, you know, John Kerry and Joe Biden to re-up the Iranian uh, nuclear deal. They're not. And uh, so, can I give you the bad news for 2021? Yeah, or do you sure. want to hear just because I, that's yeah, I, I love bad news. Come on. Peace in the Middle East, like it or not, uh, Trump bigly did it. Trump's son-in-law very bigly did it. And and that's that. And, and, and also, it's a recognition by the, the Saudis and Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, the Emirates, that, that Israel is not a threat to them, never was. Israel's never been a threat to them. But if you threaten Israel, you, you better come with your A game. Hey, um, and let me interrupt for a moment, uh, because uh, the president getting the credit for uh, the Middle East peace, uh, which, by the way, uh, all the good news that happens, uh, a president takes credit for and all the bad news a president gets blamed for, notwithstanding what happens. But uh, wasn't it simply right place, right time for this administration to be where it was at, uh, that almost any administration, the pieces would have fallen into place in terms of the Arab states, Iran, and Israel? No, no, because Obama isolated Israel and the Arab states so uh, so succinctly um, after they warned him. And they said, don't do this deal. It's a bad deal. You're being bamboozled. They have a secret parallel nuclear program. You're not inspecting it. Um, this is dumb. You will look dumb. And they said, no, no, shut up. We'll see you at the Nobel ceremony. Um, this uh, was not going to happen like a glacier melting at, at, at all. This this was the natural uh, uh, countermeasure to the JCPOA, the Iran uh, nuclear deal. And uh, so this is what the Israelis are afraid of. Um, the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, Martin Milley, uh, uh, met with the head of the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, uh, Benny Gans, and also the Gulf Arab states um, last just a few days ago, he was in Israel. And uh, th this is their message to Biden um, is, you know, if if you try to redo that deal or lift those sanctions that have crippled their nuclear program, we might have to rethink how much we like you. 
Um, and to to prove that point, to, now here's the bad news. Um, the, all the pieces are in place for a strike on Iran uh, before Biden is inaugurated. And a very significant event happened yesterday for, for the, you know, I don't know if you know this, Bill, but Israel has nuclear weapons. Can you keep it to yourself? Yeah, I, you know, I heard oh, that. Sh- I heard that Demona really isn't a resort out in the middle of the desert with fourteen foot um, uh, uh, walls and concertina wire above yeah. that and armed so, guards. So, so the deal is, an Israeli submarine, uh, uh, conventionally powered, a diesel submarine. But with nuclear weapons, according to foreign press sources, what, which is what Mossad requires you to say, um, it transited the Suez Canal with Egypt's permission, because they get to say yes or no if you go through. Uh, Israeli Dolphin-class sub transited the Suez Canal on the surface as a very public message, um, and it's going to take a left at Yemen, and it's going to take a left at Oman, and it's going into the Persian Gulf, the, the Israeli Navy is going into the Persian Gulf with a nuclear-capable submarine. It's going to be in position by the first week of January. And, and then, oh, by the way, folks, if you're unaware, anniversaries are a real big deal with the mullahs. And we're coming up on January 3rd on kind of a big one. And that would be when Trump did the other really awesome thing, when he killed Qasem Soleimani, the, the head of the, uh, the Iranian Overseas Terror Force, not the vice president of Iran. It's not what he was. He he was hated in Iran, but uh, for honor's sake, uh, he was loved by the people because he killed. Um, and But so that anniversary is coming up, and the pieces are in place to respond to whatever Iran right. does. All right, let's take a break. Uh, I want to come back and finish it up because I have uh, some additional questions uh, of you, Brian. Uh, we'll Merry be back. Christmas. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Uh, don't go away. Uh, Handel and uh, the morning crew. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, good morning, Handle, morning crew on a Thursday morning, December 24. Uh, we finish uh, the uh, our Thursday segment with uh, Brian Suits, Tactical Thursday. All right, Brian, uh, we were talking about the bad news. And uh, militarily speaking, uh, before we jump into that, you have been talking about the possibility of a conflict in the Middle East uh, between the Arab countries who have been frightened of Iran, as all of us have, because they're just crazy people over there. The mullahs, uh, you know, the uh, the theocracy uh, in Israel, who has said over and over again, not Netanyahu, who said, we will not let them have nuclear weapons. They have until January 20th with the Trump administration that would back up Israel under virtually every circumstance. What's going to happen between now and then? Well, the next new moon period, the, the, the period of lowest visibility at night, is between January 11th and the 15th. And also that's also a period of traditionally bad weather in the Tehran area, but but not the target er- target areas of Natanz and, and Fordo. Though there is going to be bad bad weather in general, so if it were me, I'm just saying if if an this with the Israeli and, and Arab uh, cooperates, um, I I would point to that for maximum success. And so in the open source for you OSINT fans, open source intelligence, um, watch 
major airlines divert around Iran starting, uh, well, having good reason, maybe on January 3rd, if the Iranians do something amazingly provocative and stupid. Uh, and and so when you stop seeing commercial air flying over Iran, you know something's up. And they already have a really good reason because, you know, remember two years ago, Iran did the, uh, my bad on that Ukrainian airline, <clears throat> uh, airliner. And, and and so those are the tells. Those are the indicators. If if January third comes and goes, and the Iranians, you know, they rocketed the hell out of the U.S. embassy last week, but that was their local militias. And I was wondering why weren't they waiting till January third? So it looks like something is in the works. Um, and if they do it, they are poking the tiger because the guy in the White House has he's fresh out of F's. He has nothing to lose, and this is unfinished business for him. He promised Netanyahu, um, he promised the Gulf Arab states, I'm not Obama. And they're saying, hey, you got you got three weeks, you got four weeks to not be Obama. Um, and, 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 and <clears throat> you know, he, his his speech two days ago, that, that was a 2024 presidential campaign speech. And so he has this unfinished business and he wants to leave the White House and say, there you go. I did in four years what uh, Obama couldn't do in eight. All right. Yeah, well, talking about uh, the Biden administration, uh, it can be argued that it is an Obama administration coming in. Uh, how do you foresee uh, the changes of the U.S. and Israel and dealing with the Arab country? Because obviously that is the hot spot around the world. If anything is going to happen, it's going to happen there. So tell me about a prophecy of the Biden administration in those uh, in that regard. When he visits Israel or Saudi Arabia, it'll be after he visits uh, the UK or Canada or whatever, but he better do it soon because uh, he starts in the negative with them. He was part of the most hostile uh, uh, U.S. administration towards Israel uh, and the Arab states in, in since Lyndon Johnson. Um, and, and so uh, he starts in the negative. He has to convince them that he was playing a character. No, I was... I was his wingman. I was his his sidekick. I was I was I was uh, Major Healy, and he was Major Nelson with Genie. No, no, no. Good luck. Good good luck. He needs to probably, if this happens, if Biden wants to get back in the good graces of the Gulf Arab states and Israel, he should. If the thing I'm talking about happens between January 3rd and, and the 15th, Biden should probably say, "Boys will be boys," like Reagan did. And, and say, oh, well, clean slate. Let's start all over. Thanks for getting rid of an Iranian nuclear program. All right. Let's talk about a Biden administration and the military, uh, because whatever happens, uh, we're going from probably the most pro-military presidency we have seen in a very long time to a Biden administration. And what is that going to look like? Um, you know, obviously, w w with with a one party state after the two Republicans lose their seats in Georgia, there's there's going to be cuts in the military budget. Um, and, you know, they've been awash with money the last three years, um, but they're used to contracting and expanding and contracting. But it, he will make a big deal to his base because it's a big deal with his base that, you know, a B2 or a B21 could build 100 elementary schools or more like 100 million. Um, uh, so he'll, he'll do that. He'll play politics with the budget, just like Trump has played politics with the military budget. Okay. So, um, when do we look at what happened, uh, this year? And the reason I'm bringing up this year is because this is my last broadcast of the year. Um, 
What, what were the most important aspects of this year uh, outside of Israel, uh, the Gulf states, and the sea change that happened? As you, and I think you described it uh, correctly as Teutonic changes or tectonic changes. <laughs> no, Teutonic changes would be Germany involved in that one. That's me and uh, like yeah, yeah, yes, sorry. tectonic that's, that's changes. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what would you put down as uh, another one or two major incidents uh, that happened? The uh, Taiwan Strait. The, the buildup of Chinese forces on their east coast as close as possible for a short transit to Taiwan uh, are very, very, very concerning. And, and this is where the overlap of, of Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he'll remain Biden's chairman for a couple months at least, but he brings that baggage to the Biden administration and says, hey, when when we last met four years ago, this they were building islands in the South China Sea. Now we see why they're building the islands. It's to support uh, military dominance of this region, and it hasn't gotten any better in the last four years. And here's an update. There's now slave camps across China, and they're making consumer electronics for America and they're threatening us now on the sea with a second military, uh, a second aircraft carrier, um, and and so that this has been a significant year for China. They've taken the gloves off. They they're not acting like it's all about peace and everything. They they really have revealed their agenda of world dominance in system, economy, industry, and military by within a hundred years. Uh, Brian, you take care. We'll catch you this weekend, uh, Sunday, Saturday, eight to eleven. Sunday, eight to ten p.m. Happy New Year. Yep. Thank you much. All right, Brian. And uh, this is it for me for the year. Uh, Tomorrow morning, uh, Jesus, traditionally uh, here on uh, KFI, uh, Jesus shows up uh, and uh, takes my place, uh, which is, uh, well, I'm not going to get into uh, who has a better show. Uh, Jesus probably has more of a long-term show, even though I've been around for many years here on KFI. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say his uh, his show has been a little longer. Uh, anyway, you uh, will catch you at the beginning of uh, the uh, year 2021. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, uh, and uh, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? So we'll start 2021 in a better way, won't we? Bill Handel and the morning crew, KFI, oh, coming up, of course, uh, Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, that's right. Papadillas and all these sides are just $6. Wings, chicken poppers, cheese sticks, garlic knots, desserts, they're all just 6 bucks at papajohns.com. Ah! 